What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another edition of the DNBR Rams podcast. As always, I'm your host, Justin Michael, and I'm really stoked, guys. For the first time in my career, I have a vote in the Mountain West preseason media panel, so I get to take part in the preseason all-conference selection process. I get to vote on Offensive and Defensive Player of the Year, help determine the preseason favorite, all of that fun stuff, and... It's been a long process, so I'm going to do just a brief intro on what that means to me. After that, we're going to do an update on David Roddy with a segment we're going to brand the Roddy Report. We're going to give updates on him throughout the NBA season. Right now, it's obviously Summer League, but he's doing his thing. And then after that, we're going to get into the floor versus ceiling for CSU football this upcoming fall. Had that posed to me on Twitter recently, thought it would be a good segment to just kind of get into the factors that determine that. But yeah, like I said, for the first time ever, I have a vote in the preseason media panel. Means a lot to me. It's something I've wanted for a couple years now. Knew that I wouldn't get it right away. But this will be my eighth year going back to my time at the Collegian that I've been covering CSU in some capacity. Originally started covering the women's basketball program with Elin Gustafsson and Ellen Nistrom and their four-peat, which was a lot of fun under Ryan Williams. Then I started doing columns on the men's basketball side. And by 2016, I was doing that full-time and started working my way onto the football side of things. And now this will be my seventh season as a full-time beat reporter for CSU football, which is wild. Went from the Collegian to having my own thing, Rams Report, in 2018, Went over to BSN Denver, and we obviously rebranded before the 2019 season. And it feels crazy that this is already my third coach that I've covered at DNVR on the football side of things. But it's just been a long time coming, and it feels very validating for all the work that I've put in over the years. Traditionally, these votes only went to legacy media, which means newspapers and stuff like that. And because of that, I always kind of took it with a grain of salt that I didn't have a vote. I knew it would be an uphill battle just in terms of kind of changing the perception and getting people to buy into what we're doing. And I I think we've done that. Obviously, what we do at DMVR is unique. I don't really think there is another outlet out there that is comparable to us stylistically. It's not exactly traditional newspaper style journalism, but it's not a fan blog either. It's something in between, something new. I mean, I do consider myself a journalist, somebody that represents himself well professionally, but I also just have always thought it would be silly to try and act as if I'm not a CSU guy, like being there doesn't mean something a little extra to me because it does. I bleed green and gold. I always have. I want what's best for this program. But at the same time, I feel that I give objective analysis. I'm not just going to sugarcoat everything. And, you know, I have a passion for the Mountain West as a whole, too. It's important to me to cover this conference accurately. There's a lot of talent in this league. There's a lot of history. There's a lot of fun rivalries. It's a conference that's very entertaining. It doesn't get its due on a national level. But for people like me that have been following the Mountain West the entire time they've watched college football, we have a deep appreciation for it and what it means. And for me personally, to finally have a vote in this process... It means a lot, and it's a responsibility that, you know, I'm going to take very seriously. These players, they care about being named preseason all-conference. You know, I, I want to get it right. I don't want to ramble on too much about this or get too sappy or anything like that, but 
I'm just really thankful to be in this position. I'm thankful for you guys, the audience, for bringing some legitimacy to my work and showing, you know, the conference and, and CSU that it matters. And I appreciate CSU and the conference for acknowledging it as well. It, it means a lot to me, genuinely. Anyways, we're going to move on here, but I'm really excited to do this. I'm really excited to have a vote. I'm super stoked for the upcoming football season, and I'm certainly going to dive in even harder than I've ever done in the past, which I don't even know how that's possible because I live, breathe, eat, sleep, whatever Mountain West football. All right, we're going to move on. We're going to get into the Roddy Report, but guys, I got to talk to you about Bird Dog Shorts. Bird Dog Stretch Khaki Shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. Bird Dog Shorts do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts, too, that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. Bird Dogs fix this issue by inventing a cloud-knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. On top of that, they use anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. Perfect if you're out on the go, if you got a hot baseball game, whatever. Go to birddogs.com slash DNVR or enter promo code DNVR for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash DNVR or promo code DNVR for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Also, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see a magnificent CSU LED logo sign in the background. That is from the homies at Saturday Neon. Saturday Neon was started by a couple of college roommates. They're Denver-based, and whether you're a diehard fan or a casual supporter, you're going to love the way these signs light up your space. Saturday Neon signs are made with high-quality materials and are backed by a two-year warranty. They're shipped with everything you need to mount, power, and dim, so every sign is easy to install and operate. And like I said, they're officially licensed for 19 select schools, including CU, CSU, Alabama, Wisconsin, Arizona, so many others. They're great for offices, man caves, dorm rooms, basements, whatever. They're going to be perfect. Make a great gift. Go to SaturdayNeon.com. Use the code DNVR for 10% off your order today. Get free shipping for orders over $200. Cool, cool, cool. The Grizzlies took down the Bulls 87-80 to at the Cox Pavilion in Las Vegas. Posted a couple of photos courtesy of our main man, Ryan Green. He's out there with the Nuggets crew. The Suns and Bulls crews are out there as well. All of All City covering Summer League. But it's just been really cool to see David Roddy doing his thing. Summer League less important for a player like him who has already established himself as a piece of the rotation. But I do think it's encouraging to see him being able to make an impact and just blending into his surroundings. That's what a role player has to do in the NBA. That's the sign of a true professional. He proved that he could do it last year with you know all the problems that the Grizzlies had. Now, you know, he's playing really well with Kenneth Lofton Jr. He led the Grizzlies in scoring, Lofton, I mean, with 23 points. But a nice day for Roddy as well. He had eight points, eight boards, a couple of assists. Honestly, that's what stood out to me were the dishes. He had one where he was running the floor on the break, delivered a nice entry feed over the defender to Lofton, who's able to establish position down low and finish over the defender. Had one where he was driving along the baseline and just kind of made a two-handed overhead pass out to a guy along the perimeter who cashed a three. He's just proving that he's versatile and that he's heady. These are high IQ basketball plays. The other day, he and Kenneth Lofton Jr. were running the pick and roll together and just obliterating guys. I love that. 
You want to prove to your coach that you deserve more time on the floor? Just annihilate someone with a hard, clean body screen. Get in there, do the dirty work on the glass. And that's the things that he's doing right now. He doesn't need to score 30 points in a summer league game. Do you want him to make the most of his opportunities? Of course. If there's an open three, hopefully he cashes it. If he has an opportunity to drive on a guy and finish at the rim, you'd like to see him make that play. But there are plenty of guys that go on to be summer league superstars and never do anything of substance in the actual NBA. I think back to uh, Nicholas Skidisvili, and probably butchered the pronunciation of his last name, one of the biggest busts in Nuggets history. He was the 2003 summer league MVP. So I'm not that concerned with putting up big numbers in games that don't matter. It's just, what do you do with your time on the floor? Are you making winning plays? And he's doing that, and he's showing that he can be impactful with guys that are part of the normal Grizzlies rotation and with some of these younger guys as well, Kenneth Lofton Jr., Jake LaRavia. These are guys that the Grizzly hope are going to be part of their future. And just having that ability to make a positive impact regardless of who is out there with you is, is a really big selling point for David. I think there's going to be more minutes on the table for him this year, especially with Dylan Brooks out of the picture. I mean, for all the yapping and all the distractions that Brooks caused, he is a good perimeter defender, probably a little bit more consistent of a scorer, at least at the NBA level so far. I mean, David has time to develop, but I do think if Roddy can consistently defend, if he can be versatile and and be able to defend multiple positions, especially knock down some open shots, rebound, cut when it's there, there's going to be an opportunity for him to be quite impactful in year two. This is a franchise that desperately needs some stability and having young, dependable guys like Roddy in that locker room is going to be really big. I mean, they're going to be without John Morant for a significant time. They did bring in Derek Rose. I think there's an opportunity early on in that season, especially for David to prove his worth. He's not a guy you have to worry about doing the wrong things off the court, getting in trouble, spouting his mouth off and saying something stupid. That's just not in his DNA. And on the court, he's an athletic, big-bodied bruiser that has nice touch on the pass. He's getting a quicker jump shot. J. Kyle Mann posted a little uh, segment there on Twitter that kind of showed he has a quicker release this year, which is going to be big. And like I said, just being able to blend into his surroundings, be a chameleon of sorts. I'm encouraged to see what's in store for Roddy in year two. He's got his number back, rocking 21 again. Kind of a tough break for me, who just got the 27 jersey back in like March, I believe. I've worn it one time, but I guess it's a collector now, and I'm happy for him. He only had that number in the first place because 21 was taken at the time. And we all know how important numbers are to athletes, so want him to be comfortable. Just thought it was funny that as soon as I broke down and, and finally got myself the jersey, ends up going back to the uh, the original college number. All right, moving on to the floor versus ceiling debate for CSU football in 2023. Recently had it posed to me on Twitter, uh, what do I see this team's floor and ceiling as? You know, coming off of a three and nine year in which they played most of the season with 59 scholarship players, barring catastrophic injury for quite a few reasons, I have a really hard time seeing this team not win more games this fall. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. I'm not predicting a 10 and two season or anything like that. But I do think that in year two of a system with less distractions and challenges of trying to bring multiple rosters together, 
that alone is enough to believe they're going to get off to a better start than what we saw in 2022. I do think that the schedule is still challenging, but a lot more favorable than a year ago. You still have to play a couple of power five teams, but you get Washington state at home and you don't have to leave the state for the other one in terms of having a chance to be competitive. That's a lot more ideal than opening at the big house, than going to Wazoo coming back and having to host a fairly competitive middle Tennessee state team and an FCS program in Sac state that had a legitimate chance to win a national championship. That was just a really challenging way to open up the Norvell tenure, especially when you factor in everything going on in that locker room and how many of those veterans ultimately walked out and just the mess of a situation that it was. Again, that's not to say that the schedule is a cakewalk. The conference schedule is definitely going to be challenging too. You still got to play Boise, you get Wyoming, Air Force, and San Diego State. Those are four of the teams that will be, you know, some of the top favorites to win the league. What I do like about the schedule is that you have some winnable road games. Again, you got to respect Middle Tennessee after what they did to CSU last year. It was 34-0 or 31-0 in the third quarter at one point before CSU came back with those Torrey Horton TDs. But that's not exactly a hostile environment to go into with a more competitive team. It does feel like a winnable game. Utah State early on feels winnable. Should be in it at UNLV in Hawaii as well. We'll see what happens in the Rocky Mountain Showdown. But my point is, I think CSU has a chance to match their win total from last season just in road games. Don't want to overlook anybody, but assuming you beat Utah Tech and Nevada at home, that there, that's five. And so I just think realistically, the floor for this team should be four, which is right on line with what Vegas is thinking. They're over under set at four and a half. I think assuming that the offensive line is consistent and even remotely better, that over is going to hit. I feel really confident about it, but you have to keep open the possibility of losing a game that you shouldn't. And so I I took it back a little bit, set the floor at four, because I just don't see how this team isn't better than last year. What's more interesting to me is trying to figure out what's the ceiling. And I think there are a couple of factors that go into that, starting with the non-conference slate. You can't start 0-4 again, obviously. I think you could maybe still sneak into the postseason with a 1-3 and start. It would be really challenging. But if they're going to be greater than 500 this year, going 500 over those first four games is going to be crucial. Winning a rivalry game would certainly help your cause. Going winless against CU, Air Force, and Wyoming would would definitely hurt the possibility of hitting that over. But I think if you can win one of those, if you beat Middle Tennessee, if you win the games you're supposed to, you know, the games against Nevada and Hawaii and Utah Tech, maybe even Utah State, depending on how they look, realistically, I'd set the ceiling for regular season wins at eight. Now, if you come out of the gate and beat Washington State and take down CU on the road or something, at that point, anything would be on the table. But I think you're hoping to go two and two in that first month. If you can somehow go three and one, that's huge. If we're going for a ceiling type season, definitely have to win in Logan. You have to win at UNLV. You've got to at least split against Air Force or Wyoming. Find a way to beat Boise and or San Diego State at home. And then it just really comes down to those last two. You definitely got to beat Nevada and Hawaii. But I wouldn't say that it's impossible. 
CSU is going to return 15 starters. Four of the new starters are along the offensive line, which is a good thing. Need Clay Millen to continue to progress, especially with these other pass catchers, but I don't have any reason right now to doubt him. Yeah, he held on to the ball a little bit too long last year, but the dude was getting drilled in the face constantly, and he had one receiver that he trusted. He's got a rocket arm. He's really smart. He's going to be much more comfortable this year. So I don't want to jinx anything, but much like the team being better, I don't see how the passing offense is just not better. You are banking on the defense playing as well, if not even better than last year. But I love what Freddie Banks is doing. They return the majority of their most important pieces, and I feel like they're deeper top to bottom than they were last year, so that's encouraging as well. There's just a lot to like right now, and I think there's legitimate reason for optimism. So I'm going to keep talking about that. But when you get hurt, Bax and Shanker is here to help. Bax and Shanker wins for Colorado families. They have been helping those who are seriously injured in Colorado for more than 25 years. They're free until they win money in your case. There's no upfront fee to speak with you about your case. No fee while they work on your case. No fee unless they win your case and win money for you. Bax and Shanker has won over $1 billion for their clients, now with even more locations, serving all of Colorado, including neighborhood offices in Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, and Fort Collins. Backus and Shanker has the strength and power to win your case with more than 30 lawyers and 100 staff. Backus and Shanker helps with all kinds of injury cases when you weren't at fault, car accident, motorcycle, ride chair, pedestrians, trucks. They can even help if you're injured at work. Call Backus and Shanker at 222-2222 to find out if you have a case for free. Backus and Shanker wins. Also, FOCO is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. They have some of the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. Spring and baseball season right now, it's a perfect time to get an Aloha shirt, maybe a straw hat to keep you cool, polos, bags, everything you're going to need, they've got it. FOCO always has our back for Colorado sports. They're going to have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in the description or for all non-presale items, use the promo code DNVR for 10% off your order. All right, let's wrap it up with some final thoughts before we get out of here. I've already talked about the schedule. We've talked a little bit about the benefit of the roster basically only being Norvell guys now and the guys that are around from previous regimes are fully bought in. The Jack Howells, Henry Blackburns, uh, Grady Kellys, and Cam Baratows of the world. But one of the reasons that I really believe that this team is going to be better this year is I just believe that Jay Norvell is much better at the CEO aspect of being a head coach than any of the guys we've seen since McIlwain. He has less ego than McIlwain, um, but I just believe in this team culture that he's building. I think Norvell empowers his assistants in a way that's pretty rare for FBS head coaches. And when the guy running your program has no ego, he's selfless, and he's willing to put guys in position to succeed, good things are going to happen especially when you have talent on the roster and, you know, going through this process of beginning to, you know, make my notes for the preseason all-conference selections, you realize just how much legit talent there is on this roster. Torrey Horton, Jack Howell, Mo Kamara, Jacob Gardner, those are all going to be first-team all-conference picks. Bank on that. And if they're not, then something went wrong. The, the vote was wrong. People got it wrong. <laughs> On top of that, you've got Chiggy coming back. He's one of the better corners in the league. Aiden Hector is an up-and-coming DB, as is um, Henry Blackburn, obviously. 
I think Justice Ross Simmons, Dylan Goffney at receiver are in line for big years. Dallin Holker is going to be much more productive at tight end than anything we saw last year. And frankly, just from what I've seen out of him in the spring is better than what I've seen out of any other tight end in the Mountain West so far in, in actual games. Avery Morrow and Kobe Johnson have the talent to be all-conference type backs. So many of these young guys in the trenches are coming up. Grady Kelly, I think, is, is starting to get quite a bit of hype. Like, there's some legit guys on this roster. And just thinking about all that talent and the fact that the locker room is in a such better place, that you have more continuity both with your roster and staff, the fact that you're playing an easier schedule, the fact that you'll actually have the ideal amount of scholarship players, I just don't see how this team can't be better. Is everything going to go their way? Are they going to upset everyone and go 10-2, 11-1, make a shocking appearance in the Mountain West Championship game? History says likely not. But I do think that the expectation is to return to the postseason and that this team can really set that foundation for going into 2024 where the Rams should be viewed as one of the front runners in the conference, assuming that you know you have most of your talent still. That's my mindset. I have the floor at four wins. I have the ceiling, and this is just regular season, not including potential postseason, at eight. And so long as they split the difference, you know, they're going to be back in the postseason. All right, that's all I've got for tonight. I'm going to host another pod, maybe even two tomorrow. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how I'm feeling. I'm starting to really get in the mood for college football. But shout out to all of you. Thank you for continuing to support my content. You make my dreams come true. Much love, y'all. Peace. What would you say if I told you I'd be the greatest MC that there ever was? Eh. What would you say if I told you that I could take a bunch of kids from the bottom and bring them to number one? Eh. What would you say if I told you a nobody in the Brock and Bush sold out crowd? Damn, that shit is crazy. You probably never make it when you listening to that right now. I said we on there.